Welcome to the Utah Women in Leadership podcast series. Today we're going to be talking about cosmetic surgery and body image among Utah women, which is a topic of one of our research snapshots a few years ago. I'm Dr. Susan Madsen, founding director of the Utah Women in Leadership Project, and I'm here with Robin Scribner, the lead researcher for the Research Snapshot series here at the project. Such an interesting topic today. Oh, yeah. National media and scholars have puzzled over the high levels of plastic surgery among Utah women, and a national magazine even called Salt Lake City the vainest city in America. I don't know if that's something we'd brag about. Right. Many wonder why Salt Lake City, capital of one of the most religious states in the nation, would employ more plastic surgeons per capita than Los Angeles. In fact, two-thirds of Utah Mormon women say that they know someone who has undergone cosmetic plastic surgery. And we were just talking before this broadcast it at this was about five years ago. And oh, yeah. so maybe I think it's that even number's higher. low. Yeah, absolutely. In a state known for its conservative and wholesome values, visitors are surprised at the high quantity of billboards lining Utah's interstate freeway advertising plastic surgery and other body manipulating procedures. So I'm still seeing the billboards. Are They're you? up all over the place. So I think that's fascinating. And it's it's actually a surprising topic for many people. So what do we know about women and girls when it comes to body image? So we write in this brief about body image being kind of the foundation or root problem or cause of, of cosmetic surgery. And by the way, we do need to say up front, you know, cosmetic surgery is very appropriate and needed specifically for for different cases, medical cases. Absolutely. This is a complicated issue, but for people who've had different types of surgery, cancer survivors, or, you know, other issues, absolutely, it's a medically necessary procedure in many cases. But what we're really talking about here is cosmetic surgery that is done in response to a poor body image. And one of the things that we know from the research is body image affects so many areas of a girl's and woman's life, from their confidence, their interest in getting educated, education, their uh, belief in themselves and how they can move forward in careers and all different areas of their lives. So the research tells us that 80% of U.S. women are not happy with the way they look. Now, I also think that number is probably low, which is really unfortunate, right? But we live in this culture, and there's been so much research done on this nationally and globally. We live in this culture that teaches women and girls specifically that there's one way to look yeah. and that it's the most important thing about them. And one, and, go oh, ahead. one of the statistics that I share occasionally on confidence is, is and this is probably 10 years old, that 82% of 10-year-old girls in the United States, and this is probably, like I said, a decade old, are already afraid of being fat. Right. So that body image, even for girls, young girls, and it doesn't quit at teenage years. No. I mean, we still have, have pressure and you see all kinds of issues for women in their 30s and 40s and 50s. And for many older. women, it's a lifelong issue, right? And those pressures and feelings of insecurity start from the very yeah. earliest ages. They come from the media, but they come from our peers and even from our families. In fact, research shows that a mother's body image is kind of the primary model for a young girl. And so one thing that we know, we've got 
large families here in the state of Utah. We have a lot of moms. And if this preoccupation of body image and, and physical appearance can really have a strong effect on our young daughters from very early ages. And what, one thing that I think is is really important, and I've said this before, is even when I was, even when my daughter, I have three sons and one daughter, uh, I didn't really think about this issue too much until I started digging into the literature. And I was thinking when my daughter was young, she's 26 now, that oftentimes I said things like, oh, I need to lose five pounds, or I need to lose 10 pounds, especially after the Christmas season, right? right? And then I realized from the literature that even those small statements can impact young girls. So they think, oh, my mom needs, she looks good to me, but she needs to lose weight. So they start thinking that's a role of a woman to lose weight. So even some of the small things we say as mothers, and it's not really a big deal. It doesn't seem like a big deal, could impact daughters. Absolutely. It starts the narrative from a very young age about what matters and what's important and what a woman's value really is. Is it and how I look? If that's all the mother's talking about, that's all the daughters hear her talking about, they think, well, the most important thing about me is the way I look. So one other thing I wanted to mention, I speak about this quite a bit as well, is we actually, and this is mostly unconscious by parents and other people, we actually talk to girls and boys differently. And one thing, and everyone that's listening will know that this happens. One thing we do when we see a little girl that comes up to us um, at church or in the neighborhood or anytime we we think, oh, she's so cute. She looks so cute. We don't say that so much. Sometimes we say to our little boys, you know, you're so handsome. But most of the time, it's like, you're so tough, you're fast, you're you're doing these kinds of things. So one of the things I talk about is the research says that more statements we make to our daughters are, you are something, you are smart, you are beautiful. And more that we say to our young boys are becoming statements. You worked so hard, you are becoming smart. If you, you know, things that really let them know that if they work hard, they can become. And more of the statements for our daughters and for girls are you are. And so I have a fun thing with my husband. You know how even when we're adults, our husband said, here's my, when he introduces us, here's my beautiful wife. So I tell my husband, you need to still say beautiful, but you need to say like smart or some other words first. Here's my powerful wife. Yeah. Here's my intelligent wife. Right. But from the start, we recognize looks for our daughters and for other girls more than we do for boys. And as you mentioned, so much of this is so unconscious and ingrained. And that's why these conversations that we're having right now are so important. So we really raise awareness of the fact that we're teaching our daughters that their appearance is the most important thing from a very young age. And there's so much else we can do, so many other things that we need to be focusing on instead. And I want to shift to really talking about measuring. So we worked really hard to get data for this uh, report. And there's different ways we can measure how women in Utah are focusing on their personal appearance like spending on cosmetics, Botox, things that are really precursors to possible plastic surgery or cosmetic surgery. Absolutely. That uh, Forbes magazine article where they call Salt Lake City the vainest city in America talked about the fact that in 2006, Salt Lake City residents spent $2.2 million on hair coloring and $6.9 million on cosmetic and skincare products. And they compared that to similar sized cities across the nation, and our spending was 10 times higher here in the state of Utah. And haven't you heard that anecdotally when you have friends come in from out of state and they're like, 
everybody in Utah is like so glam all the time. Everybody's put together so much all the time. My friends from California and the eyelashes are really the, big the in Utah. Eyelashes. Oh my goodness. Yes, absolutely. So so that's one of the things. And the Botox spending is becoming more important to our dermatologist office than you know other types of skin treatment. That's one of the main ways that they're getting revenue. So 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 many women in the state of Utah, and I'm guessing men as well, are spending all this money on Botox. So research shows that these types of behaviors are often precursors toward more invasive and more extensive body altering procedures. And of course, you know, the billboards. Uh, oh, yes. I think there's more that I've seen here than, and they're just right along the I-15. And so- And some of them so are pretty s- graphic. I'm like, kids, don't look at those billboards, right? And it really, a few years ago, we did do a billboard campaign where we really kind of pushed back because one of the billboards had said, shaping Utah. And with a woman in a bikini laying there, and we pushed back and put women shaping Utah and had a woman in a graduation cap or a woman in a military uniform, but that women can shape Utah, but we can shape it in ways uh, using our mind and our capabilities and our passion in different ways. I love that. So that was great. So do you have any other data that you want to share on spending of plastic surgery in the U.S.? Oh, yes. So over the past 10 years, again, this industry is just booming. It's not just here in Utah. It's throughout the United States. Um, In 2016, Americans spent $13.5 billion on aesthetic procedures. And what they found in in the years, probably the 10 years prior, is that surgery, more invasive procedures, had actually decreased a little bit. But the less, the minimally invasive procedures, like the body wraps and the Botox and the other things had grown so much that we were at record high levels. And so one of the things that was difficult about putting the snapshot together was that finding data specifically on Utah as far as our spending was the data were just not there because they group it by region. But we do know that our region was the highest spending region. And we can talk a little bit more about the specific ways that Utahns are searching for um, information on cosmetic so talk, surgery. Yeah, tell us about that. So, so some of the you know hard numbers that we do have is that realself.com reported that Utah topped its list out of all 50 states for searches for breast augmentation. We were 53% higher than the national average. And the most common Google search for plastic surgery in Utah was breast implants. So those are things that we know, you know, Google's data are showing that we are searching for this. We're looking for this. And our spending, as far as the region, is higher than the national average. So it looks as if, you know, we can extrapolate from that and see these searches are actually turning into procedures. So why? That's uh, that's what we have been interested in exploring is why is it different in Utah? Why do we have these all these searches? Why do we have so many people getting breast augmentations, um, surgeries, and so forth? So let's talk about that. Well, some of the things that we know, researcher here at Utah Valley did some qualitative research several years ago, and she found that women, young women, members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, were actually getting breast augmentation surgeries as a high school graduation present from their parents, saying, congrats, instead of sending you off to college, we're going to give you breast implants. And that, I have to say, that's one of the most disturbing. And I knew this researcher, she she did this research a number of years ago. And it was, that was one of the most disturbing uh, elements of her study. Because there's, oh, there's just layers of things you could talk about in terms of what message that sends by parents yes. 
to their daughters. And the cost of that, equal, I say, take that cost and actually get more women to go to college oh, because yeah, five it's, it's to a- $7,000 for that procedure. And the, and the, another procedure that they talked a lot about in the research was the, the mommy, mommy makeover. makeover yes. Right. And that can be from 10 to $15,000. Yeah. But one of the reasons you were saying, why is it? We have all these quotes from these plastic surgeons giving interviews to the media saying, we've got these young women. They're beautiful, but they have so many babies so fast, so young. And their bodies are just trashed. So we help them rebuild their bodies as if the natural process of having children, becoming a mother is something extremely negative (laughs) and something that needs to be reversed and done away with. So one thing that was hard for me to hear a few years ago, my oldest niece is is probably, um, I think she's about 33 now, and she has four daughters. And she, this was probably two or three years ago, she went to uh, just a dinner with five other women from her LDS ward. And she uh, said, she told me the day after she called me and told me that story because it was disturbing to her. They started talking about plastic surgery. And all five of her neighbors talked about all the different surgeries they'd had for plastic surgery. And she had never had one. And she started thinking, what's wrong with me? Maybe I need to do this to kind of keep in the group or keep up with the next door neighbors or whatever it is, that comparison. Um, And so that really kind of made me sad. But interestingly, in our research, and this is not Utah specifically, but didn't we find that states or areas or communities that are more homogeneous are actually ones that tend to have more plastic surgery? Yes, the research is very clear on that. And that's one of the most interesting factors when we're talking about why Utah. And that story you told is a perfect illustration of this. So Utah is predominantly white. 87% of our population identifies as white. And uh, 57% identifies as uh, Mormon. And so those factors together, just those, that conversation is a perfect example. These women getting together, looking at all the other women in their neighborhood and thinking, well, if everybody else is doing this, they're all looking the same. They're all looking, in my eyes, Better. a wave that's improved, <laughs> yeah. right? So I need to be doing this too. And there's enormous amounts of pressure. But yes, in homogenous communities, plastic surgery is more common because there's a pressure. If everybody already looks kind of the same, there's an even greater pressure to look even more of the same. And when you when you look at the younger population, that one researcher from uh, UVU a number of years ago talked about they did in-depth research interviews with mm-hmm. people and that competition for spouses at younger age was really a real thing here in Utah. We talk about that. But really, their looks being more important than actually their minds. Oh, yeah. And and the women in that study expressed a direct belief that your looks was one of the ways that you were prized as a possible mate. Hmm. Not your intelligence, not your ability, not your personality, but your looks was what really made you attractive to a spouse, much more than other things. And, and maybe it, social media. I don't know oh, what yeah. what has impacted that, but I'm sure it's getting worse with social media. Oh, yes, for and, sure. And looking at, hey, I'm supposed to look this way or whatever to be able to get that mate. Well, and there have been national uh, studies done, well, national articles written about our really strong mommy blogging culture True. here within the state of Utah. True. and. How 
how these women, are, and, and we know this about bloggers and social media, that you put forward this image of absolute perfection and all the kids look perfect. And hey, you've got this perfect body. You've got an 18-year-old's body somehow, and you're 32 and you've had four kids in six years. You know? How did that happen? And, absolutely. <laughs> and so there's this idea that you can still have this perfect image and have all this other stuff on the side. And there's so much pressure, as you mentioned, on Utah women to, to be just that. And we had just a few sentences on disposable income. So we do have a good economy here, right? right? Yes. And we have more women working. So in homes where there are two incomes, right? Uh, where there's a married couple or, or partners, um, there might be some more disposable income. Well, and there are all these kind of factors that come together to create this perfect storm, right? We have the largest family size in the nation. So women are having more children. We get married younger and we have children younger than the national average. And so maybe some of these women think, I never even had a chance to enjoy my great young body <laughs> right before I had all these kids. Uh, we breastfeed longer, which we know can kind of have an effect on our bodies. And then, as you mentioned, the disposable income. So kind of all these factors put it together. And then the industry capitalizes on that and puts pressure and says, hey, look at look at all these things. Wouldn't you like to yeah. make this choice in order to change the and way marketing you marketing is, is getting more intense. And, oh, yes. But there are risks, Robin. And we looked at that. And it's there's some pretty serious risks at times. Absolutely. My co-researcher was even telling me about the reality show called Botched, which I actually was proud to say that I had never heard of. <laughs> but talking about plastic surgeries gone wrong, right? There, I mean, it's easy to say this is a simple procedure, but it's actually a major surgery yeah. in many cases. There are risks and there are extreme costs. But one of the risks that I found very interesting in doing this research was actually the risk to mental health issues that correlates with a plastic surgery. They found, and it's hard to choose, it's hard to prove causation here, right? We don't know if people who already have mental health issues are more likely to seek after plastic surgery to deal with some of those issues. But they showed a relationship to, to depression, anxiety, even increased rates of suicide. So there are some serious issues concerning our mental health as well as our physical health. So you're saying that the people with those with depression and so forth are the ones that that tend to move forward to, yes. to try this easy fix kind of that's what is disturbing to me because what we know from the research is if you're struggling with self-esteem or body image the thought that you can just go get plastic surgery you know for for breasts or other things it doesn't solve the problems. All right. It really doesn't. I mean, it may help a little bit with things, but people that think that it solves all the problems, they're quite disappointed. They still have depression, still have these these other things. So there's other ways that we can deal with body image. Let's talk about that for a minute. Oh, absolutely. Well, one of the things that we found is that um, women who are less educated are more likely to be seeking after plastic surgery. And that, we were excited to learn that because that's yes. right in our wheelhouse of talking about the fact that education is a key to developing confidence. It's a key to so many areas of personal well-being and recognizing, hey, women, if you're not feeling great about yourself, go get a little bit more education and recognize all the amazing things that you do have to offer. And there's a lot of research on on self-esteem and how all the things, actually, a college education, particularly at the bachelor's degree, can Mm -hmm. do for you in terms of of being of greater service to people in the community, donating blood, engaging not inside yourself and how you look, but really contributing in terms of service and community. Um, And so that, that comes back to education, and that actually is one of the 
solutions that the literature says to not be thinking about your body so much as to serve other people. Right. I love some of the things that we talked about in the snapshot about positive efforts that we actually like to emphasize on our own website about ways to help women focus on the other aspects of their lives. So we have the Dove Beauty Campaign on Real Beauty. We have some of their videos on our website. And we love to feature the Beauty Redefined by the two doctors, Kite. (laughs) <laughs> who uh, really emphasize their their motto is my body is an instrument, not an ornament, and they emphasize so much on focusing on what the things that our bodies can do rather than what they look like. And what a wonderful positive message that um, these different organizations are sending throughout the state to recognize. Hey, it isn't all about what you look like. And it's so funny. I, one of the things that I found fascinating is people who are proponents of this seem to emphasize that it's just a natural thing like eating healthy or getting exercise, right? It's a way to take care of yourself. But there's so many better ways to take care of yourself, in my opinion. That's so true. Clearly, elective cosmetic surgery is a complicated issue upon which many disagree. And we found that when we were looking uh, for the literature. Utah's among the top states in the nation for these procedures, as we talked about. Yet only a handful of studies address this topic. It is difficult because of that to pinpoint the exact numbers and influences and outcomes of cosmetic surgery among Utah women. Yet much can be done to encourage women's educational efforts, their confidence, overall health and well-being, which can consequently help girls and women combat negative body image and focus on traits beyond physical appearance. Doing so will strengthen the positive impact of women in the community and in Utah as a whole. Thanks so much for joining us today on this podcast series hosted by the Utah Women and Leadership Project at Utah Valley University. Our core mission is to strengthen the impact of Utah girls and women. If you want to read the research snapshot we discussed today or learn more about our research, resources, and events, please visit us at utwomen.org. Thank you.